Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson. Papa, can you tell me a story? Do you really want me to tell you a story? (laughs) Well, you go get your brother and your sisters and I will tell you a story. Welcome to Devotions with Dr. Papa, where we look into the written word, which reveals to us the living word, which is our Lord Jesus Christ. If you've been with us for the last few weeks, you realize that we're examining the values and principles of the kingdom of God, as opposed to the values and principles of the kingdom of this world. Today, I want to look at a scripture, Matthew 5, 27 through 30. When Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Now I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, this is another of those statements which Jesus begins with that phrase, you have heard. And then he segues into, but I say unto you. Now, these are the opposing values. You have heard is the value of the kingdom of this world. But I say unto you, is the value of the kingdom of God. The values of the kingdom of this world are lesser. The values of the kingdom of God are higher and nobler. And in fact, apart from the indwelling power of Holy Spirit, are impossible. But nevertheless, Jesus gives to us standards, values, principles by which we must live as adherents and participants in the kingdom of God. My patient was previously an elementary school teacher. He was now a convicted felon heading to a federal penitentiary in another state for 15 years. He and his wife were in my office to tell me goodbye and to collect his medical records. They had been my patients for 20 plus years. They both wept as they told me his story. He spoke first. Dr. Jackson, it all started with a pop-up on my computer of a pretty blonde lady. She popped up on the sidebar constantly, like a dummy. I clicked on it one day out of curiosity. That started a downhill slide into my pornography addiction that has held me prisoner for 10 years. The last three years, I gravitated toward child porn which is what got me into trouble with the law. I knew it was morally wrong, but I couldn't escape. It had a hold on me. If my wife and the parents of my students had known what I had been up to, they would have literally killed me. Now everybody knows to my everlasting shame. He hung his head and put his face in his hands. His wife reached over to hold his hand. I was in such a terrible prison. When the federal authorities came to my house one day, I looked at them and said, Thank you, officers. Thank you for coming. I need so much help. He buried his face into his hands and began to sob 
his entire body shaking. He is three-quarters of the way through his 15-year sentence now. But even when he is out, he will have to report as a sex offender everywhere he lives for the rest of his life. Employment will be next to impossible in his former teaching profession. Now, let me ask you a question. Did his problem start with a pop-up on a computer, or did it start somewhere much deeper? The Scripture tells us each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. That's James chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. Have you ever wondered why pop-ups are always partially clad women? Why not cute little puppies or newborn babies in fuzzy blankets? <laughs> well, puppies and babies have appeal to certain subsets of the population. But advertisers know that sex sells. And every man out there can be tempted by an immodestly dressed female. The advertisers may not be biblically literate, but they know intuitively that each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Just like the Pharisees in Jesus' day, many in our church today believe that as long as we don't commit adultery, we aren't, hurt, we aren't hurting anybody when we blank. You fill in the blank. Christian people dabble in all manner of sexual sins that they justify because they don't classify them as adultery. Men view pornography and justify it by saying they aren't hurting anyone. They forget about the young woman who is someone's daughter and someone's future wife whose reputation is marred and whose image is forever splashed on the internet. Christian teenagers and adults involve themselves in oral and anal sex outside of marriage somehow with mental gymnastics, thinking that it is acceptable in the sight of God because they did not, quote, go all the way, close quote. How would they explain that to Jesus if he walked in and caught them in that compromising position? But Jesus, we didn't go all the way. Come on now, seriously. If you don't think pornography is a serious issue among Christian men, listen to this story. I was attending a missionary induction program for young people being commissioned for overseas missionary service. During the program, I noticed that 75% of the new inductees were women and 25% were men. The more I thought about it, the more disturbed I became. Where were the young men? Were men not responding to the call of God to missions and to fulfill the Great Commission? After the commissioning service, I went to one of the coordinators and I asked, Sir, where are the young men? I noticed the preponderance of young women being commissioned. Are men not answering the call to missions these days? He brushed me off and walked away. I waited a few minutes and approached him again. Sir, where are the young men? He motioned me into a side room. He sat down, stared at me square in the face, and said, Dr. Jackson, we have lots of male applicants, but they just don't qualify. I cocked my head to one side and asked, 
Why? What do you mean they don't qualify? He acquired a sad expression and responded with one word, pornography. They are all addicted to pornography, and we don't accept them if they are porn addicts. When I heard that, honestly, I was crushed. Jesus spoke to the crowd gathered on the hillside and said, You have heard that it was said. Now again, this is the kingdom of the world standard. You have heard that it was said. You should not commit adultery. But I tell you that if anyone looks at a woman lustfully, he has already committed adultery with her in his heart. He is now iterating the kingdom of God standard. Now, is he really being serious? Who can live up to that standard? (laughs) Well, actually, only Jesus could live up to that standard. But that is the point of his teaching. The Pharisees and lots of Baptists and Presbyterians and Methodists are exceptionally proud of their ability to adhere to the external constraints of the law. They have not committed adultery or taken God's name in vain or missed Sunday school in umpteen years. They always pay their tithe. They always pay their taxes on time. More than that, they don't smoke, drink, cuss, or chew, or associate with those who do. On the outside, they are pristine. But by Jesus' standard, they are whitewashed tombs, full of dead man's bones, because their hearts are full of corruption. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts. By Jesus' standard, we have all had lust in our hearts, or anger, or unforgiveness, or bitterness. You just pick your carnal emotion. This teaching of Jesus, this raising of the bar, causes us to despair of ever being saved by any personal deed of self-righteousness. Because who can measure up to that standard? Even Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you cannot see the kingdom of God. The Bible tells us He saved us not because of righteous things we have done, but because of His mercy. He saved us by the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Listen, raise your arms in the air and shout hallelujah and Thank God for His mercy. Thank Him for saving grace. Thank Him that you don't have to climb that mountain of personal deeds of righteousness. That all we have to do is say, I plead the blood of Jesus. And you and I, by His mercy, by grace, through faith, can be washed as white as snow by the blood of Jesus. Don't you understand that every time Jesus said, But I say unto you, He was pointing people to the cross. He was causing them to despair of ever pleasing God by adherence to the law. He was showing them the depravity of their hearts and how desperately they needed the Savior who could give them a total makeover from the inside out. That's why Paul explained that if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature, a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. 
like a caterpillar emerging from his cocoon as a beautiful butterfly. We are completely transformed by his grace into a new creation through the washing by rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. We have a new life, new hope, and a new destiny. Can I hear you out there saying amen? (laughs) Now, I went to court once as a character witness for one of my patients. I could do that in good conscience because he led a good and exemplary lifestyle until he ran afoul of some government regulations, which is easy to do if you aren't careful. The judge was not impressed with what I had to say. In the end, my friend's lawyer said this on my friend's behalf, we beg the mercy of the court on my client's behalf. He knew his client had messed up and he didn't have much of a case, so he resorted to asking for mercy from the judge. Did you catch the phrase in Titus 3 verse 5? But because of his mercy, he saved us. Our God is the righteous judge of the heavens and the earth, from whose face heaven and earth flee away, before whom all the nations will appear, to whom all men must give account. And yet, dear friend, because of his mercy, he has saved us. My advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous, stands in the great courtroom of heaven, looks at God the Father, the judge of the living and the dead, while Satan, the accuser, brings up every sin I have ever committed, while Jesus, my advocate and legal counsel, says, we plead the mercy of the court. This one belongs to us. He has been washed in the blood. The Father, the righteous judge, looks down at the Lamb's book of life, then looks up with a smile as radiant as the noonday sun and says, Yes, yes indeed, His name is right here. Welcome, my child. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. Then he looks at my accuser with a voice like thunder. You there, sit down and hush your mouth. Ten thousand angels begin to rejoice and to sing a song that no one knows but themselves. Hallelujah. Praise God. Allow me to give some practical instructions at this point before we wrap it up. I have to share this mini sermon in my office fairly frequently. Just a few weeks ago, I talked with a wife who was distraught after discovering her husband had been addicted to pornography from before they had been married several years previously. Understand clearly that addiction to porn, alcohol, or drugs is a heart issue. Merely removing the source is only the start, an important start nonetheless, only a beginning place. Yes, you must starve the source of the addiction, and remove all access to porn or drugs or alcohol. And in the case of porn, it's usually computers and cell phones. But remember this, Jesus said, what comes out of a person defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, etc., etc. All these evil come from inside and defile a person. So step one, starve the source. 
remove all access to computers and cell phones, and place a pornography blocker like Covenant Eyes on all electronic devices, which will warn if anything unsavory is being viewed. Covenant Eyes requires an accountability partner. I don't recommend the spouse participating as the partner. I advise finding a strong male accountability partner. Step two, seek counseling with a Christian counselor skilled in dealing with porn addiction. Online, there is an organization called setfree.com, and they, they work with all manner of addictions, including porn addiction. Step three, find two strong Christian brothers you respect. Confess the issue to them and ask them to meet with you weekly to hold you accountable, just like an Alcoholics Anonymous accountability group, until you achieve long-term spiritual victory. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another, because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Accountability is nothing more than helping one another keep our promises to God, to ourselves, and to our families. I meet with an accountability partner every two weeks to help me keep my promises and to maintain my integrity. Why shouldn't you? Christians who are serious about finishing well in the Christian life embrace accountability. Step four, abide in the word. There is a supernatural life transforming power about God's word that is undeniable. The more we read and study and memorize God's Word, the more we think like Him and act like Him. It is inevitable. This is true for all Christians, not just for those struggling to overcome addictions. In truth, we all struggle to overcome sin in our own peculiar, of our own peculiar variety. If a man says that he is without sin, he is a liar, and the truth is not in him. 1 John chapter 1. Paul told the Roman Christians to be transformed by the renewing of the minds, Romans 12 and verse 1. And how do you and I re renew or reprogram our minds? It's by constant input of God's Word. As they say with computers, junk in, junk out. So it is with our minds. Protect your heart and mind from pollution. Scripture says in uh, Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brethren, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Brothers and sisters, find the things that are true and honest and pure. Those are the things that we must fill our minds with. Reprogram the computer with the things that are excellent and of good report. Step five. Pray, pray, pray. There's no substitute for diligently crying out to the Lord, begging Him to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Jesus came to deliver us from sin, not just in eternity, but right now. He came to show us how to walk in righteousness and spiritual victory. Why else did Peter tell us to be holy as your Father in heaven is holy? if God doesn't expect us to live holy lives? Why did He give us the Spirit of God, whose first name is Holy, if He didn't expect us to walk in righteousness? The writer to the Hebrews admonished us to pursue righteousness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Obviously, 
Growing in righteousness is a lifestyle process for all of us. We don't become sinless when we become a believer, but as we go in Christ, we do sin less. Thank the Lord. Prayer plays an important role in the sanctification process. Jesus advised us in the model prayer to ask the Father to deliver us from temptation. Temptation is common to all of us. Being tempted is not sinful. After all, Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, yet without sin. It is dwelling on the temptation and planning to pursue the temptation that becomes sinful. Listen, I cannot stop a bird from flying over my head, but I can keep it from building a nest in my hair. The same is true with temptation. I don't allow it to find a home in my heart. The scripture tells us that God tempts no one. When we cry out to God in desperation for deliverance from temptation and the tempter, He delights to deliver us. He builds a hedge of protection around us and covers us with the blood of Jesus. His ear is not so dull that He cannot save, that He cannot hear, and His arm is not so withered that He cannot save. Cry out to Him in prayer all day, every day. And the last step is this. Memorize God's Word. We all know that when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, He quoted Scripture that He had memorized to defend Himself against the deceitful maneuvering of His enemy and ours. Three times Satan misapplied Scripture, and three times Jesus, who is the living Word, corrected Him by appropriately quoting Scripture and refusing to be deceived by Satan's subterfuge. Listen, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The psalmist reminds us, how can a young man cleanse his way? By, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Any of us struggling with various temptations must rely upon the word of God hidden in our hearts. In other words, memorized. In order to overcome the enemy of our souls and the fiery darts he flings in our direction, he may know our weaknesses, but we know in whom and in what is our strength. In conclusion, driving lust, inordinate desire, out of our hearts is an upside-down value of the kingdom of God. Adhering to that value makes your life, your house, different and or upside down compared to your lost neighbor who is addicted to porn or bitterness or anger or unforgiveness. Does it sound impossible? Well, it is, apart from the indwelling power of Holy Spirit. Understand clearly, listeners, that unless you and I submit every day to the presence and power of Holy Spirit, we cannot live by the values and principles of the kingdom of God. But let's thank the Lord every day that He has given us Holy Spirit, who has sealed us until the day of redemption. Be thankful. Submit every day to the presence of Holy Spirit. Ask Him every day to rule over your soul. Abide in the Word. Abide in prayer. Reprogram your mind. Memorize Scripture and submit every day 
to the person and power of Holy Spirit who lives in all of us. Well, you're listening to Devotions with Dr. Papa. If it's helpful to you, let your friends know. Follow, like, or share with your friends and family. And may the Lord bless you real good. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information about the Jackson Family Ministry, Dr. Jackson's books, or to schedule a speaking engagement, go to their Facebook page, Instagram, or their webpage at jacksonfamilyministry.com. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Production at bobsloan.com.